0: As we began looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the first week, we, we looked at singleness. We, we kind of understood the kind of commitment to Christ that God is calling to us in our singleness. And last week, we looked at marriage, and we looked at the importance of communion between husband, wife, and wife, in marriage. But we also saw that the earthly marriage was just a flyby to a greater purpose, both here on earth forever in eternity with Christ, our bridegroom Messiah. First week we looked at singleness. Second, we looked at, we, we looked at marriage. This week we're going to be looking at the transition from singleness into marriage. Dating and courtship is what we are going to be talking about this morning. And we'll continue to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7 for one more week this week as well and then we'll come back to another passage uh, another part of my book, and we look at parenting, but that's for later. This week we we'll are looking at dating and coaching. I'd like to read out a portion from 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 36 to 40. Allow me to read the for words. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do his wishes. Let him marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, uh, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then, who he marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married. To whom she wishes Only in the Lord Yet in my judgment She is happier if she remains as she is And I think that I too have the spirit of God This is the apostles Paul speaking Not me This is the word of the Lord Uh, Before I begin I'd like to make one thing abundantly clear uh, To us in morning. Today what we have Is not an exclusively sermon uh, what we have is a topical sermon. Uh, usually, we always believe in preaching through the books of the Bible. Or uh, we preach, we pick a passage and we, we preach what the passage uh, says. Of course, we contextualize the passage and apply the passage to our unique culture, place, and time when we pray, preach what the passage says. That's what we call by an expository sermon. We believe that that's the that's the best way. That's uh, the ideal way to preach through the Bible. We want to preach what the Bible says. We don't want to preach what our fancy thoughts are. Uh, but ever so, once in a while, we do make an exception, especially when, it, when we are dealing with topics like dating, where it's, uh, it's hard to look at one passage. Uh, we occasionally make an exception. These are rare, rare exceptions. You know, as Charles Spurgeon once said, uh, the sermon is the hammer, and the portion of the Bible is the nail. The hammer, the sermon, must hammer the text into people's lives. And so so we want to uphold God's word and God's text. That's why we celebrate uh, exclusively preaching to the best of our God-given ability. Which today we're going to be slightly slightly different. I I, I felt it was important for, for me to explain that so we understand and appreciate the context. God created us male and female. All with a lifelong, with a longing for a lifelong relationship of love and commitment in marriage. Practically speaking, how do we translate this good and godly desire for marriage into a reality? Those of us who sing, how do I find a false? And that's one question we will be exploring a little bit today. The passage. Uh, that we're looking at this morning gives us a very simple guideline. This guideline, of course, is given in the context of widows and widowers, but the core principle is absolutely applicable to singles as well. Words, uh, it's there right in the passage. It says, uh, A wife is born to a husband as long as he lives, it's mutual, it works both ways wrong. But if a husband dies, if a spouse dies, she is free to marry, to be married to whom she wishes. Only in the law. And this principle is applicable to all seekers. So followers of Christ are free to marry anyone they wish. Only one condition, the person they marry marry must also be a believer. So God has given us a freedom in wisdom in prayer to choose a spouse. As long as that person is also a follower of Jesus. Otherwise, there can be no coming together. If Jesus is indeed the most important person in your life, indeed, for, all, and for us as followers, that is true, then there is no coming together with someone for whom Jesus may not be the most important person. And so that's the only condition. So if you're single, the good news is that you're free to marry anyone you wish, as long as that person is a follower Of Christ, obviously uh, that person must also wish to be married to you. Uh, Obviously, we use prayer. We prayerfully depend on God. We exercise the wisdom, discernment that God has given us. We may marry any believer we wish. This is so simple, and yet it is so very complicated. Sometimes we don't know who we wish. Sometimes it's hard to find the right person to wish for. Sometimes we wish for someone, but that someone is wishing for someone else. Uh, sometimes people wish for someone and go around telling everyone, God told me to marry this person. May or may not be true. Our wishes cloud our judgment so often. Sometimes we wish. We are afraid to come. We are unsure. We are uncertain. What if there's someone better around? Sometimes we wish, but we change our mind. We unwish that person. It happens. Some of us don't wish at all. We're not the romantic act. We don't want to desire. We don't have a desire to get married. Not quite sure how to go about. It. How does this wishing just happen? Uh, some of us wish, but we don't quite know what to do next. Uh, for some of us, uh, I can relate to this from my early teenage years, no longer I can assure you. Uh, for some of us, life is a never-ending series of wishes. Here today, gone tomorrow. One today, another tomorrow. And sometimes we wish and get into a relationship, but then we fight wake up even before we get married. I personally know someone who called off his wedding the day before he was to get married. For those of us who desire to and are ready to transition from singleness to marriage, finding the right person to marry is so simple and yet so very complicated. And I don't have all the answers. Every situation is different, every person is different, every life journey is different. I don't have all the answers. But what I hope to do this morning is to do two things. First, I'd like to give you, give us a framework to understand our wish. A framework to understand our wishing and a practical tip in pursuing who I wish for in a godly manner. Two things. A framework, a biblical framework to understand our wish and a practical tip in pursuing who I wish for in a godly manner. And as I promised last week and this week, we'll talk about dating along the way. So, the first thing we want to look at a framework to understand my wish. This longing for a romantic relationship leading to manage that most of us gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for us is a present continuous, ongoing and unfolding narrative in our lives. The Bible tells us that the base a grand story arc of God's creation and redemption story. Think of the entire Bible as five chapters of this gospel narrative. I'm going to just walk us, quickly walk us through the five chapters. The first was creation. God created all things beautiful. He gave us the perfect world. Then came the fall. We sinned. And we completely ruined the perfect beauty of God's creation. But redemption, Christ came. He entered our world. He bore the punishment for our sin upon His body. He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and we are waiting for Christ to come back here. The fourth chapter of the Gospel of is renewal. As believers, as followers of Christ, we've all been forgiven as we saw so richly through worship and what Malika shared. We've all been forgiven because of Christ's finished work on the cross now, day by day, every one of us who believe in Jesus are being transformed slowly, little by little, more and more into the image and likeness of Christ Jesus. But in this chapter of renewal, even though we are forgiven fully, I'm sure you realize, you and I, we're still capable of sinning in many, many, many ways. Jesus has forgiven us already. He's transforming us but we're still capable of sinning in this in this chapter. And then the chapter will come in the Gospel narrative is new creation. Jesus Christ will come back again and make this world perfect again. Everything that sin had corrupted, everything sin had broken, Jesus will come back and be beautiful once again. Then once again, those of us who believe in Jesus, put our entire hope and trust in Him, we will once again live with Him in a world where there is no more sin, no more shame, no more brokenness. And that's, that's the gospel of narrative. What I want to do this morning is to process this wish all of us who are single have, most of us who are single have, for a lifelong romantic relationship, a lifelong relationship of covenantal marriage. We're going want to process this wish through this framework and to help us Um, process this in our own hearts as we move along in life. So let's start with creation. God created us male and female and he wired into us a desire for male and female to come together as husband and wife in a lifelong covenantal relationship of marriage. God created Adam in a perfect world and even though Adam was in a perfect God created and sinless world. God said in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 It is not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. Uh, Tim Keller an author and pastor in New York City he puts it this way. He said Adam wasn't lonely because he was imperfect. Adam was lonely because he In a sinless world, loneliness was righteousness. In a sinless world, loneliness was righteousness. In a sinless world, Adam's loneliness was an expression of his holy, righteous, and God given desire for a spouse. This is God's plan. The desire, those of us who are single, experience. Relationship of love is God given. It's been breathed by God into every one of our house. And in God's design, every relationship, every marriage should have an abundance of both chemistry and commitment. We live in a culture where we understand chemistry very well. You all know what I'm talking about. Commitment is challenging. We live in a culture which celebrates chemistry but shirts back from commitment. But godly marriage, God's design is for people to experience both chemistry and commitment. The first few chapters of the Bible has a scene where God uh, introduces Eve to Adam. And Adam is meeting his, his would be wife Eve for the first time. Moment- Adam sees Eve, he breaks into a poem of, of rapturous joy. Listen to what Adam says. I'm reading from Genesis chapter 2 verses 22 and 23. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it for a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last. You see, he's been longing, he's been waiting. If you're single, you know what I'm talking about. This at last is born of my bones and Flesh of my flesh. She is to be called woman because she was taken out of man. This is poetry here. Adam is head over heels in love. And at the first look at Eve, he is bursting forth into song. The sparks are flying. The chemistry is all too evident. But look at the words of the poet She is born of my bones, flesh of my flesh. This is radical commitment. I will love her as myself. I will care for her as myself, and vice versa, too. He was also experiencing the same kind of commitment and chemistry with with Adam. So, as we look at the creation story, as we process our own wish, we must consider if chemistry. Is also being accompanied by commitment. Chemistry will go away the moment the flaws begin to appear at the other. Commitment will keep the chemistry alive. it ill birth chemistry even through the flaws. Loving us all the way Christ loves us. That's the first chapter of the gospel narrative. We must understand, appreciate the longing. But you must also understand that the godly, true nature of this longing, this longing is not just chemistry, it is also commitment. The second chapter of the Gospel narrative was a form. Adam and Eve sinned. They messed up big time, like I'm sure every one of us had. They ruined God's perfect creation. They ruined everything. And among the many things they ruined, among everything they ruined, uh, allow me to highlight two things. First, marriage, God designed marriage to be deep communion and interdependence between husband and wife. But sin drove a fetch between Adam and Eve. And slowly, as a result of their sin, they began to develop and we began to develop a sinful pattern of indulging in independence rather than interdependence. A selfish solitude, a selfish solitude instead of deep community. And so if you're single and you're looking for a spouse, I hate to do this, but I have to remind you that marriage, because of the fall, is now a union between two selfish people. It's not going to be easy. It never is. Aji is not here this, this morning, so I can really say it is not easy. You know, like I've seen this happen so many times. Within months, weeks, sometimes even days, after the first flush of romantic love, a couple quickly shift gears and move into a pitched battle between what you want and what I want. We're all selfish people at the very core. Only Jesus can change us, and only Jesus is changing us. And so, because of the fall, singleness is not easy. Marriage is not easy. The transition from singleness to marriage is not easy. Dating is not easy. Courtship is not easy because we are all messed up. And this brings us to the third and the exciting chapter in the gospel narrative: redemption. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He stepped into our world. God, didn't, God wasn't satisfied saving us from far off or was thrown in heaven, but Jesus became man and He entered into our world. And He lived the perfect life that none of us would ever live. And He willingly went to His death on the cross as a sacrifice of atonement for every one of your sins and my entire of. Admonive sins and the sins of everyone who would come to believe in Him. Jesus Christ is our Savior. The only Savior. The only one who could and who did atone for our sins. The only one who could and who did make peace between us sinful humans and God, His Father, Jesus' Father, full of holiness. (coughs) Jesus Christ is our savior and he is our messiah of their fears. It's not easy. It takes a lot of hard work, a lot of grace, and even then, the communion is never complete. So, in that sense, the fall has made each of us. In the overlap of the ages. Christ has come. He has already accomplished a need for us—a need for salvation. His finished work on the cross has already redeemed us. His death, his resurrection, has already redeemed us. We have been forgiven. We have been justified. But we're still being sanctified. We're still being worked on by God. And so, in this overlap of the ages between the death and the resurrection of Christ, and before the time Christ comes back again and takes us to be His bride, we now live in the influence of all the chapters of the gospel event. Right now, we are experiencing creation longing. Right now, we are (coughs) experiencing a longing for creation perfection still very real in every one of us. And even though Christ has redeemed us and He will one day come and embrace us, there is still a remnant of sin in each and every one of us as we are being sanctified. So the fall, even though Christ has already finished the work, the remnant of the fall is still controlling some of us. Which is why as followers of Christ, we still need grace Every single day. And as we long for the new heavens, the new earth, for Christ to come back, to bring forth the perfect marriage, the perfect eternal marriage, of the marriage between Christ himself and all of us, the church, who is Christ, this too has a bearing on our lives here and now. Here and now. So our lives in the 4th chapter of the Gospel narrative, Renewal, where we are right now is being influenced by all the other chapters. And it is through this prism that we need to view singleness, marriage and dating and coaching. So as we talk a little bit about dating now, I want you to remember where we are. Remember. Which chapter of the customer we are. Let's look at let's spend a little bit of time talking about dating. Culturally speaking, the ultimate goal of one form of dating is dating itself. dating is the end goal of dating. Culture tells us I, I like engaging romantically with someone of the opposite sex. Uh, I feel empty or sad or even worthless if I am not engaged romantically with someone. I have no interest in marriage or oh, marriage that's far off. I don't even want to think about marriage now. I'm not, I can't even think about marriage for many, many, many years. I have, I can't, I'm not ready for commitment. I don't even want to think about commitment. I want to be in love. I, I like the feeling. You know, maybe even being in love is maybe too strong a word for some. I just want to be romantically engaged. I just want the pleasure of romantic uh, attraction, I just want a thrill of romantic attraction or some cases, I, I want to be sexually engaged, but I don't want to come in. Don't, don't even talk about marriage I mean, you know, I've got uh, you know, finished my studies, I've got to get to this position, I've got to have this kind of bank balance, Well, that's going to take 10-15 years so don't even talk about marriage, but I want romance now, I want sex now, and so dating the culture, the goal of dating is dating itself That's it. There is no pathway or purpose. There is no intent beyond that. This form of dating is simple. It is selfish. And in this kind of dating people are bound toward each other. This violates God's creation design of a lifelong commitment. Romantic commitment, but commitment nonetheless between husband and wife. This form of dating, as culture defines it, is simple. But there is also another expression of dating. Here, a man or woman feels he or she is mature enough and ready enough to consider marriage. Now, he or she and he or she is attracted to someone. And the, the, the attraction seems to be mutual. Uh, they, they do need to kind of figure each other out. They need to get to know one another. They need to discern. They need, they need wisdom. And so they go on other dates, they go on a few dates, they kind of get to know each other and consider if, if, if they are potentially, they could potentially think about marriage. And in this in this context, in the context of the church, in the context of all of us who believe in Jesus, both of them are believers, both of them are followers of Christ for reasons we looked at earlier. And um, the goal of dating is undoubtedly marriage. This is another expression of dating, you could call it Christian dating, if ever there is such a thing Christian dating and uh, as I this you are probably expect me, expecting me to say this kind of uh, dating is not sinful, this kind of dating is godly I wish I could say that I wish I could say that <laughs> the reason I am not saying that in an unqualified way is remember we are in the renewal channel renewal chapter even though Christ is transforming us there is sin in us still there's selfishness still every single I can assure you you are capable of exploiting someone else for your own joy married couples true of you too in marriage also we selfishly exploit our sources I'm not saying this kind of dating is unqualifiedly okay, is that far too many Christian men women, good followers of Jesus, break up after having been in a relationship for a few months or a few years, sometimes if there's such a thing as as Christianity. And here's a simple, practical tip. It's it's a suggestion. It makes sense. It's it's completely aligned with what the Bible, the vitality of the Bible is teaching us a lot back that. But here's the tip. It's not good for singles to decide alone. It's not good for singles to decide alone. God has placed each and every one of us, both in a biological family, And in a spiritual family. And in the renewal chapter of the gospel narrative, we receive God's grace, we receive God's truth, we receive God's wisdom through other people in gospel community, both biological families and spiritual families. And so, so the simple practical framework is if you're single, seek. Godly counsel, seek community, biological or spiritual, or both, depending on your unique context. Some of us come from families where our parents may not be followers of Jesus. So, in, 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 in light of your context, singles, please seek godly counsel, biological or spiritual, from biological or spiritual families, at the first hint of attraction. Come into a full on relationship and then seek counsel. It's kind of pointless. The earlier we seek counsel, we seek counsel with someone you're comfortable with. And I'll tell you the kind of people we can and we shouldn't seek counsel from. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. It's pretty telling. It says very simply The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man, Amber, Advice: The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man or woman listens to advice. How mature you may be, however wise you may be, how old you may be, however young you may be, when we experience the first flush of romantic attraction, love makes a fool of all of us. <laughs> You can take the Bible and make it say what you want it to say. You can find uh, ways in the Bible to justify you going after someone who is not a follower of Jesus. Uh, you know, we've had people walk up and tell us that God told me to marry this person like three times in the span of six months. We would have lost. Uh, the flush of strong romantic attraction makes a fool of all of us. We need Godly counsel. We need objectivity and that's why God designed the community, biological and the spiritual family which is is the church. So single practical tip, the earlier From your same age group here. Uh, They can give you some counsel. Friendship is beautiful. Friendship among your peers is beautiful. I want to encourage that. I want to celebrate that. I want to love to see that flourish in your city. But people who are your peers may not have enough life experience to give you real wisdom. And to be fair, they may also not be objective enough only cheer your emotions long because they too are experiencing the same emotions. You need wisdom and counsel for someone who's had a little bit more hopefully a lot more life experience than you have. You need truth tellers. You need people to tell you the truth in both situations. You need people to tell you the truth and to rein you in when the chemistry is just you run wild when you're rushing into it without caution, without thinking. You need truth tellers to lovingly rein you in at the same time. At the first hint of trouble, when you're rethinking your commitment, rethinking is it worth it? I made a mistake, I want to pull back. Even those moments, you need the wisdom. need to be accountable to someone. We need to be accountable to God's family, biological and spiritual. The ways of who seen it time and again that sinners are in love God will only speak to them from the word what they want to hear, <laughs> God's spirit will always tell them what they want to hear and God's community will never tell them what they want to hear. <laughs> you know I think in these seasons when you flushed with romantic excitement we can hear God's people most clearly don't ignore, don't crush aside don't isolate yourself we've seen far too many couples isolate themselves in this process Get on your full-on commitment, and the best anyone can do, not just us, anyone can do, is damage control, Because they are already committed, their souls are entangled. There's no pulling We need truth-tell. So that's a practical word of advice. If you forget everything else in the sermon, that's alright. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Reach out and seek counsel from your biological family, from your spiritual family, the church at the first end of the church. Allow me to close with the last chapter of the gospel narrative: New Creation. Only remind us of the words that we dwelt on very with in last week, one Corinthians chapter seven, verse thirty-one: For the present form of this world is passing away. present nature, the present dynamics of this world is passing away. Dating is passing away. Courtship is passing away. Marriage is passing away. Even sin you He was his own self, sinless self, sacrificed on the altar, bearing the wrath of God, bearing the fire of God, <coughs> just holy, righteous fury of God, for the evil of your sins and my Jesus absorbed the wrath of God on Himself. He died on the cross and He rose again from the dead to prove to us that the wrath of God is finished. Holy wrath of God is satisfied. Sin has been completely forgiven. And now we can have fellowship with God the Father through Christ the Son. And we can enjoy this union. It's possible only because of what Christ Jesus did. And because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can be assured that whether we are single or married or separated sadly, only one possible eternal outcome for those of us who are followers of Jesus. Absolute and eternal union with Jesus Christ, our rightful Messiah.